we enter today into what blessed Abbot Marmion calls the Holy of Holies of the liturgical year. That is Passion Tide. Every chant, every lesson, indeed every word of every chant and every lesson is invested with a kind of sacramental quality. For by means of the words of these chants and these lessons, the virtus, the divine power of the passion of Christ, is communicated to our souls. In every Mass, the introit accompanies a crossing over. It marks the threshold, not only spatially, but mystically. That is to say, in singing the introit, the Church would have us pass over into God's moment. Today's intro, it even more, would have us pass over, I want to say pass out of ourselves, out of our own prayer, limited as it is, into the prayer of Christ, Son, Priest, and Victim. All of Passion Tide will give us the prayer of Christ. Today, it is Psalm 42 that we sing in the introit. The very psalm that normally begins the prayers at the foot of the altar. Today, that same psalm is our introit. That chant by which we cross the threshold into the Holy of Holies, that is the mystery of our Lord's Passion. The collect of today's Mass, at first glance, appears rather nondescript, rather like any other collect of the church year. Looking more closely, however, we discover that this collect in which we address the Father contains three key verbs. We prayed in the collect, we beseech thee, Almighty God, mercifully look upon thy family. This very phrase will be repeated over and over again in the last three days of Holy Week, look upon thy family. Respice. This respice is more than a passing glance. It is the gaze that envelops. We ask the Father, in fact, in this prayer, to hold us in his gaze. And the second verb is ut te largiente regatur in corpore. 
we ask that we may be ruled, governed, upheld in our bodies. This implies the handing over of ourselves to the Father in imitation of the Son. And the third verb in the collect is, we pray, custodiatur in mente, we ask to be guarded, to be kept safe in mind. <coughs> the epistle presents us with Christ, the high priest, who enters the Holy of Holies, he, too, is the victim. He is at once the one who offers and the one who is offered. And the epistle concludes, in Christo Jesu Domino Nostro, evoking the sovereign lordship of Christ, which lordship we shall again sing over and over in the last three days of Holy Week, in the Christus Factus Est. The gradual gives us the prayer of Christ. It is a great grace when one begins to hear in these psalms uttered, I want to say, wrung out of the soul of Christ in the hour of his passion. It is a great grace to begin to hear the voice of Christ in these psalms and to enter into his prayer. He prays in the gradual, deliver me. The psalm says, Domine, Lord, but coming out of the heart of Jesus and coming to flower on his lips, all of these psalms are illumined and sweetened by the name Father. Deliver me, Father, from my enemies. St. Luke intimates that our Lord did this because in giving us that word from the cross, into thy hands I commend my spirit, from Psalm 30, St. Luke notes that our Lord did not say, Lord, but rather, Father, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. I think, because what one utters in the hour of one's death is never improvised, but comes out of a lifetime, I think that this authorizes us to believe that our Lord customarily altered the Psalms in order to express his filial relationship with the Father. If he did it from the cross, it seems to me that he would have done it all through his life. And when we pray the Psalms of the Passion in this key, 
is the prayer of the Son addressing the Father. They seem to open up and give us the secret of our Lord's filial prayer. Deliver me, Father, from my enemies. Teach me to do thy will. Singing this, we are in some way already in Gethsemane. Thou wilt lift me up above them that rise up against me. From the unjust man thou wilt deliver me. And then, in the tract again, often have they fought against me from my youth indeed, from the slaughter of the innocents, from my youth. Carol Hauslander wrote with such mystical intuition of the passion of the infant Christ. We have already something of this intuition in today's tract. Often have they fought against me. From my youth they have lengthened their iniquities. And from this prayer of Christ to the Father in the tract, we pass into the Gospel. If any man keep my word, to keep the word of Christ is to allow oneself to be pierced through by the word of Christ. It is to be refashioned by the word of Christ. It is not only to be wounded and put to death, but resurrected by the word of Christ. If any man keep my word, he shall not see death forever. And today's gospel enshrines that divine utterance that confounds the enemies of our Lord, I am. He leaves them, I think, in a kind of stunned silence, struggling to take it in. I am. And St. John concludes Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Jesus hid himself. This is not without an association the veiled images here today, this hiding of the Lord. He hides himself, the saints tell us, because he desires to be sought. He hides himself because he desires that even his enemies might come to seek him and finding him receive his forgiveness and be converted by his grace. He hides himself from unbelievers 
that they might seek him and from him receive the gift of faith. He hides himself from sinners that they might seek him and go to him to be pardoned and cleansed and healed. He hides himself that the sick might seek him as their physician. He hides himself even from his friends. I want to say especially from his friends does he hide himself. That they in seeking him might be hid with him. Does not the apostle say that our life is hid with Christ in God? The offertory of today's Mass, beginning with that great word of confession, praise, thanksgiving, confitebor tibi domine, again, in place of domine, I invite you to hear pater. I will confess to thee, O Father, with all my heart, Attend closely to today's offertory antiphon, and you will discover, I think, that it is, in some way, in parallel with the high priestly prayer of Jesus in the 17th chapter of the fourth gospel. When I discovered that, the offertory became luminous on the page because through the text of the offertory I discovered to my wonderment that the priestly prayer of Jesus was like a counterpoint to it. Or if you will, to take another image, it seemed to me that I was reading the priestly prayer of Jesus in John 17 through the text of today's offertory antiphon. In any case, today's offertory antiphon is in the mouth of Jesus. Vivifica me. This points to the morning of the resurrection. He prays in today's offertory antiphon as he prays in his priestly prayer for himself and then for all who will be raised to new life in him. In the secret of the Mass, we pray to be unbound. We are all of us in one way or another tied up. We pray to be set free of the bonds of our twistedness. And then we come to the communion antiphon. This sublime communion antiphon taken from the Apostle's letter to the Corinthians. This is my body which shall be delivered for you. Of course, in the ancient practice and indeed the practice followed here, as the faithful receive the body of Christ, the communion antiphon is repeated as the body of Christ is placed on your tongue. You will hear these words, 
This is my body, which shall be delivered for you, and this chalice is the New Testament in my blood. Hoc corpus hic calix. There's not a single moment of the passion of our Lord that is not present in the Most Holy Eucharist. In the sacrament of our Lord's body, you will find Jesus in every detail of his passion, for nothing of his passion has passed away. All remains, St. Thomas tells us, actual and efficacious in the mysteries of his body and blood. Hoc corpus hic calix. If you would be with Jesus in his sufferings, with the Christus passus, come to him in the sacrament of his love. If you would keep watch with Jesus in Gethsemane, come to his altar and abide there, tarry there with him. If you would accompany Jesus in his imprisonment, in his trial, in his condemnation, in his being mocked and scourged and crowned with thorns, seek him out in the sacrament where he waits for a little compassion from those who profess to be his friends. Jesus is still carrying his cross and the weight of our sins still falls heavy on his shoulder and crushes him even to the ground. None of this is over and forgotten. It remains present in the sacrament of his passion, in the mystery of his sacrifice made present in an unbloody manner on the altar. And the whole mystery of his passion and all its efficacy remains wherever he is, the Christus passus, the pure victim, the holy victim, the spotless victim, whom we contemplate in the host. Hoc corpus hic calix. He is present, crucified, with his wounds pouring out blood and his prayer to the Father piercing the heavens. He is present in the very moment of his death, the Christus passus, wherein all is consummated. Hoc corpus hic calix. He is present with his open side from which flow out blood and water to purify us, heal us, and restore us to life. Oh, would that everyone knew this, that all of our Lord's passion is contained in the Most Holy Sacrament, not as something lost to a past that can never be recovered, but as his perfect and all-sufficient oblation to the Father, renewed here and now in every detail, although sacramentally and without a new shedding of blood. This all the saints understood, the presence of his passion in this sacrament, and this sacrament 
as the memorial of his passion. Hoc corpus, hic calix. During this Passion Tide, I pray the Holy Ghost to teach this to us as he has taught it to all the saints of ages past, to the little and to the poor, who opened their hearts to the passion of Christ made present in the sacrament of the altar. This is the great reality of Passion Tide, hoc corpus hic calix. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.